Welcome into the Deep Slant Podcast presented by Xfinity. Uh, now we are going to give you a preview of this week's matchup against the Indianapolis Colts. We're going to go behind enemy sidelines where I catch up with an opposing beat writer. And this week, it's Lara Overton. She's a team reporter for the Colts. She does TV. She does radio. She does podcasting. She does it all. And if you've listened to Behind Enemy Sidelines before, you know that I usually get Lara on. And uh, it's usually not a short podcast because she goes in-depth and talks about the Colts. So we talk about everything. We talk about Matt Ryan. We talk about Jonathan Taylor, how much Matt Ryan's presence will influence the number of carries that Jonathan Taylor gets. We talk about Shaquille Leonard, um, the athlete formerly known as Darius Leonard. I think a lot of people don't know that he changed his name. So we'll get into that and uh, maybe a surprise here or there about him and his playing status for this week. But we'll get into all that and more with the Colts and the division rival that, uh, you know, the Texans are going to be matching up against. Everyone's talked about it. Levy Smith, Nick Casario, the players have talked about it. They remember the score, the scores from last year's games, 31 to nothing, 31 to three, just complete domination by the Colts. And what a great way to kick off the 2022 season to just sort of get back into it and right some of those wrongs. And hopefully they can do that. They're very excited and they're up for the challenge. And they got a lot of new rookies that are going to make their debut on Sunday. The Texans, that is Damian Pierce, Derek Stingley, Jalen Petrie um, will all be starters. They're listed as starters on the depth chart. So very, very exciting week one matchup. So we'll get into all that. We'll preview the Colts on the opposite side of the ball. But first, Texans fans, Xfinity delivers the fastest internet in Houston. So you can do more of what you love, stream the game on a powerful and secure Wi-Fi network, and keep your home team happy with a reliable connection for all your devices. Xfinity XY. Can your internet do that? All right, let's get right into it. Behind Enemy Sidelines with Lara Overton. Lara, it is great to see you for week one. Colts here at NRG Stadium. Welcome in, my friend. It is so great to see you again. And I can tell you, it's so exciting to get back on the road and get to Houston again after the last <laughs> two seasons were the way that they were. So excited to start things off. I mean, the stakes are high. Not only is it week one, but you start off within the division, which is always exciting. Starting the season and ending the season with the Colts. But for now, for week one, let's talk about Matt Ryan. I know before the season started, I hit you up and a few of our division writers to find out what are the top storylines heading into training camp. And of course, the big storyline for the Colts, Matt Ryan, the veteran QB traded to the Colts, now under center. So how has this offense changed or how has it looked with Matt Ryan under center? It has changed, I wouldn't say immensely, but I do think it has been impactful, uh, the difference that he's made. He already came in, and we heard it the first week of the, the offseason program when he came in, that Coach Reich was like, oh, yeah, we've already changed a good percentage of the playbook just based on some of the preferences that Matt has had from things he's done in the past. But also, Matt's very open to suggestions on what has worked for you guys before. And especially, hey, what works when you have a running back like Jonathan Taylor that you can run this offense through as well, where it's not a situation that the entire offense is on Matt Ryan's shoulders. He has Jonathan Taylor. You have this unique weapon in Naheem Hines. You have a very young group of wide receivers behind Michael Pittman Jr., who had a thousand yard receiving season last year. Then you have an interesting group of tight ends to work with as well. With the retirement of Jack Doyle, you're seeing Mo Ali Cox and Kylan Granson and the rookie Jelani Woods take on larger roles. So one of the things that we've really learned is Matt Ryan has an expectation of what he wants all of the other guys within this offense to do and where he wants them to be and how he wants them to play. And the guys have thrived. They've embraced having that type of leadership 
he was very hands-on over the course of training camp, giving immediate feedback to guys like your rookie, Alec Pierce, who comes in with incredibly high expectations. Man, Paris Campbell is due to have a breakout year. Battered injuries over his previous three seasons with the organization. It's a huge year for him to step up. You have some departures of guys like T.Y. Hilton and then Zach Pascal, who was a big role guy, no longer with this organization. So not a single receiver over the age of 25. So to have a 14-year veteran like Matt Ryan is critical for that group. And this is going to be a really good test for them. Uh, Frank Reich said that in the preseason, they were very generic. Of course, Matt Ryan played in two of the three preseason games. They kept things very bland. So it's going to be interesting to see when they start to open up the playbook, what the balance is like with the run in the pass, and then how you're incorporating guys differently because we do expect Naive Hines to have a greater role in the passing game as well. A lot to unpack there. Naeem Hines and then Jonathan Taylor, which Lovey Smith, he was here last year as defensive coordinator. And we all remember a little too well what Jonathan Taylor was able to do against this Texans defense last year. And I mean, hey, it wasn't he just a, the Texans defense. It was a lot it was of a lot of yes, yes. Thank you for finishing my sins. He had quite the season. So, you know, do you think that he can repeat 2021 the campaign? I mean, are they planning on giving him the same number or same amount of touches? I know it's sort of like looking into a crystal ball, but you know, how much does the offense change with Matt Ryan being added as far as Jonathan Taylor is concerned? I do think that there's going to be a lot more consistency in the passing game with Matt Ryan than what you had last year, just because of the poise that he brings, the command that he brings, the decisiveness. That was one of the things we learned early on uh, in training camp. Practices were running a lot more quickly because they were getting through all of the plays they needed to do with about 10 minutes to spare because of how quickly Matt Ryan got into his calls. So it was a really good test for the defense as well. They're like, oh, okay, this is how we're going to play, right? Their conditioning was very quickly tested. So we do know that that's something that Matt Ryan brings in. Frank Reich talked earlier this week about striving for a bit of balance between the run and the pass, but that does look differently week to week. Some days you will be more pass heavy, and then maybe you compensate the next week and you go a little bit more run heavy. One of the things I expect is that, of course, Michael Pittman Jr. is kind of the workhorse of the receiver group. And although he will get, I would imagine, the bulk the bulk of the, of the targets and of the looks, you'll really see the ball spread around a lot with Matt Ryan. And in the run game, one of the stats that really stuck out to me was last year for Jonathan Taylor, his rush yards after contact, 1,272, exceeded the total rushing yards produced by any other player, period. Nick Chubb wow. ranked second in the league with 1,259. That is rushing yards after contact. That is a huge number. And one of the things we know with running backs is you overload them, and at some point in their careers, they're going to start to wear down. Now, that doesn't seem like that's indicative of what Jonathan Taylor is going to do because not only of the workload he's, he's had so far in those two seasons with the Colts, but even going back to his college days and, you know, the, the workhorse that he was, the workload that he carried at Wisconsin. So I do expect that you're going to continue to be a run first 
football team and allow yourself to establish the run behind the offensive line that you have with Quentin Nelson, Ryan Kelly, Braden Smith, and then, you know, some new guys up front as well. I think that it'll be very run dominant, but I do think that you'll see a little bit more balance because I expect Naheem Hines' role to be much greater in 2022 than in 2021. And an indication of the type of teammate that Jonathan Taylor is, he's all for it. He, he is not a selfish guy who is like, you know, thinking of, of the touches first, his touches first. He's all about distributing the ball having a balanced offense and winning football games and doing whatever he has to do to put his, his team in position to do that. All right. Let's talk about the Colts defense. Matt Eberflus is gone. He's now the head coach of the Chicago bears. So they lose their defensive coordinator, but they add some pretty big names this off season. Yannick Ngakwe, who we saw a lot of when he was with the Jaguars, Stefan Gilmore. Uh, what's been different about this Colts defense heading into 2022? Well, you know, not just the guys that you've added from a personnel standpoint on the roster, but also Gus Bradley brings in an entirely new scheme that you have. And, you know, there are things that we've seen that have been characteristic of the past and the type of defenses he ran, like with Seattle, with Jacksonville, with the Chargers, with the Raiders, different organizations. But he also has taken the great foundation that Matt Eberflus established with this group and then just brought some of his nuances to it. You you knew that this Colts defense was going to be very fast, very physical. They love to take the ball away, right? That's the, that's one thing. And then Gus has really taken the the strong foundation that was here that you have with Shaquille Leonard, the Forrest Buckner, uh, Kenny Moore the second. I mean, it was a defense at last year that had pro Bowl players at every level, D-line, linebacker, and in your secondary. Now you add to it, you compound to that, a proven pass rusher in Unique Ngakwe, and then you also have a former defensive player of the year in Stephon Gilmore. And one of the things that the Colts lacked last year was pressuring the quarterback. They needed more sacks. You needed more pressure off the edge. So one of the best things about the addition of Unique Ngakwe is how could he pay? benefits from that you do expect them to be you know more attacking up front and one of the things that DeForest Buckner had to deal with a lot last year was getting double teamed on you know almost every single snap so you do expect that pressure up front to be more consistent with what you're doing and then of course with the Gus Bradley system you rely heavily on those safeties and those guys on the back end. So very early on, I think that this plays well for the athleticism you have with young safeties. Julian Blackman coming back, his season was shortened last year with that Achilles injury. He's looked incredible in training camp. Now you have the rookie and Nick Cross. Get this, Nick Cross turns 21 the day before this game against the Houston Texans. So he will make his NFL debut one day removed from his 21st birthday. And then that whole group is reinforced by Roddy McLeod. So you do have a really great group of playmaking safeties. And I think that because of the pressure you're going to get up front, that's going to allow those guys on the back end to make more plays. All right. Well, the athlete formerly known as Darius Leonard, he's now yeah. Shaquille Leonard. I saw that a few months ago. He goes by his middle name now. Uh, he had back surgery this off season. What can you tell us about him and his recovery? One of the things we learned from Shaq Leonard, and just to clarify, Shaquille is his middle name. So he, his family, so the backstory on that, family, friends had always called him Shaq or Shaquille when he was growing up. He joked that the only time he was called Darius was when he was in school or when he was in trouble. Uh, <laughs> but when he got into the league, it was the advice of Randy Moss, who was like, you know, 
shut your mouth, open your ears, you know, be quiet and listen. That's what you do as a rookie. So he didn't want to make waves uh, that oh, first gosh. year, you know, and, and kind of tell people he really prefers Shaquille over Darius. And then finally I, I asked him about it this year because last year we found out that we were, you know, pronouncing Bobby Okereke's name incorrectly. It, he came into the league and we all called him Bobby Okariki, which is the Americanized pronunciation of his Nigerian last name. So in my attempt to just be sure we were being accurate in how we were referring to everyone and getting pronunciations and everything correct, I asked Shaq, maniac, D. Leonard, however you want to refer to him, about that. And he said he does prefer Shaquille. So we overhauled mm. you know, the rosters and the media guide wow. and everything is up to date with Shaquille Leonard. But yes, he had that back surgery. And it's really interesting. We knew that he battled the ankle. And he said that the ankle injury is something he's really played on and played through since his rookie year. There was a point in his rookie year when he rolled his ankle pretty severely. And you know how attacking of a linebacker he is when you have any limitations with the way he moves and, you know, the way he goes after the football, um, that's going to severely impact your game. So in treating the ankle injury, they realized that this wasn't just an isolated ankle injury. It was actually stemming from some disc issues that were in his back. So they had to have a procedure. He had to have a procedure where they alleviated the pressure from the back that was radiating all the way down to the ankle. So this is a compound issue. So it's not so much just making sure the ankle is ready and the strength is there, but also where is the back in all of that? And has all of that healing taken place? And in my conversation today with Frank Reich, he says it's going to be a while before he's 100%. Obviously, no one wants to be out there more than he does, and he has such high expectation for himself. But one of the things we know about Shaq Leonard is that he plays at full speed and nothing less. And he and I had a conversation last week and that he said there were parts of last season where he was playing well below 100%, and he feels like he really hurt his football team because he wasn't able to make the plays that he was used to making and that they counted on him to make. So he knows that having him at full capacity, full strength for 14 games or 15 games or whatever it is, and making sure that he's ready the latter part of the season to put the team in position to make a playoff push, to get into the postseason. If that's a sacrifice that needs to be made, you miss a game or two up front, that's going to be worth it. They've not ruled him out for this game. There is certainly uh, a scenario where he could play against the Texans. It's all going to depend on how he responds to three straight days of work Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Interesting. Interesting to note. All right. Before I let you go, Lara, a few of us around here have been obsessed with the Andrew Luck podcast that was on The Athletic, and we binge listened to it um, this off season. I don't know if you've listened to it, but what's been the reaction about Andrew Luck just in, in going through his injury history and everything that he'd been playing with the, the last few years of his career, especially? I was on a couple of trips this summer. Uh, so that was what I listened to on my flights. I okay, so you did hear it. podcast. Yeah. I have heard it. And I, I actually knew it was in the works for a while because Zach Kiefer, the brilliant journalist for The Athletic, he was previously with the Indy Star. He's a fellow IU alum. So I've known Zach <laughs> for many years. So I, I knew that I knew what he was working on. So I was very intrigued. And he would send me out little little previews and little snippets along the way of what he was working on, but it's really nothing. It was all interesting to all of us. 
we all lived it. So I feel like that there was most of it, you know, that we knew or were aware of up front. Um, I think more than anything, it was mostly the perspective of everyone else in hearing from guys like David Shaw and hearing from Jacoby Brissett mm -hmm. and the different people who were interviewed along the way. I loved, you know, Daniel Jeremiah's perspective coming from a scout. I think to me, that was really the interesting just thoughts on it all was different people from outside the organization because we all, I mean, I had been with the team just over a month when Andrew abruptly retired, but I'd covered the team for the previous five years. So I was pretty aware, you know, I documented almost every step of the way since early on in his career, what he'd, he'd been through. But, you know, it's almost, I think for a lot of Colts fans, it was like reopening the wounds, you know, and, and hearing all of this here, we're going into a fifth straight year with a different starting quarterback. So it, I, I think though, the biggest takeaway for me in it all was there was a piece that you found at the end of this where you yeah, do feel absolutely. like it seems that he's moved on and is happy and has is formulating this next chapter of his career. I mean, we just learned from David Shaw that, you know, Andrew's going back to Stanford and going to grad school and has his family out there. He and his wife, Nicole, were both Stanford, you know, are both Stanford alums, both were Stanford student athletes. So they're going back out there. And I, I really think that it, there was some reassurance in it all that you're really rooting for Andrew in whatever this next chapter holds, whatever he's doing. And, and I also think too, like I knew a lot about his Stanford career, but there were a lot of things that I didn't didn't realize about it yeah. along the way. It certainly filled in the gaps. And it's funny when you say everyone has a piece, I feel like Texans fans have a piece that he definitely closed the door on returning to football because I felt like every year when the Colts were looking for a new quarterback, there'd be rumblings of Andrew Luck coming out of retirement. And I feel like after that last episode, I felt pretty confident he was happy where he was in life and, and for him. And, and this Sunday, the Colts will be doing it again with Matt Ryan. So Looking forward to the matchup, Lara. Always a pleasure to catch up with you. Let's do it again soon. Yeah, can't wait to see you in Houston. Just a couple of things to note. Shaquille Leonard was a full go in practice on Wednesday. So when I asked Lara that question, I really thought she was going to say that he's not going to be playing because, you know, he's had back surgery. He just came off the pup in camp and was put on the active roster. I thought it would take him some time to ramp back up, but it seems like a very real possibility that the Texans could face him and and man, he's a beast in the middle there when he is on the field. And also the Andrew Luck podcast, uh, you, if you haven't listened to it, I know that Texans fans have their own bad memories of Andrew Luck, but it really fills in, like she said, a lot of gaps of what was going on um, in that situation. And there's a lot of former uh, Colts that are now on the Texans team and former Texans that were on the Colts team that they mentioned throughout the podcast. Pep Hamilton, Andre Johnson, Philip Dorsett, they all get mentioned in the podcast there. So uh, it's really, it's a really good listen. It's about six episodes, so I recommend it. I know that this podcast is really the podcast that you should be listening to, but guess what? You're going to get other recommendations on this podcast, which I think is the best podcast of all. Because when I listen to podcasts, I like people to give me ideas for other things to try, to buy, to listen to, to watch, you know, because you never know. You never know where the next good idea may come from. I'm not taking credit for the Andrew Luck podcast, but I'm just saying. It's a good one to listen to, even if you're not a Colts fan, even if you're not an Andrew Luck fan. If you're a football fan, it really takes you behind the scenes. Lots of interviews, very well done. That's all I'm going to say about that. I will say, though, Sunday's kickoff, Liberty Whiteout. If you're coming to the game, wear your white. If you're not, it's noon, CBS, Sports Radio 610. 
also the pregame show. Texans Unlimited, Drew Doherty and I will take you to the field. We'll show you a live look at players warming up. We'll get to the top storylines of the week. We'll answer fan questions. And we'll talk about the injury report, actives, inactives. Those are all back now that it's week one. So we'll get you caught up for the game day. Be sure to download the Houston Texans mobile app and get all those alerts. All right, that's going to do it for the Texans uh, week one podcast for Behind Enemy Sidelines on the Deep Slant podcast presented by Xfinity. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, go Texans.